Today, a shooting in Tulsa quickly disappears from the mainstream media. You'll never guess why. Uh, the Biden administration issues the largest student debt cancellation in agency history and some moments at a Beto O'Rourke rally here in Dallas that, uh, let's just say, you're not going to want to miss. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. And uh, yes, back by popular demand. It is Thursday, and that means it is Pat and Stu Thursday. We've got Stu Brigger, host of Stu Does America, also Pat Gray, host of Pat Gray Unleashed, both at the same time. Who yes. Knows, who knows what could happen? Uh, so I want to, um, I can't, can I just say, I can't wait to get to the Beto stuff. I know we're going to get to it later, but I just, I can't <laughs> wait. And I didn't even get to talk to you guys about it beforehand. I happened so. to see some of it last night. I'm very interested to talk to you about it, yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. more, more than talking to us about it. I want to hear what you. Uh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. But let, I guess we'll get to like the actual headlines of the day first. Um, so last night we heard that there was a shooting in a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This resulted in four deaths. Uh, the gunman also died of a self-inflicted gunshot. One of the victims was the gunman's surgeon, apparently, Dr. Preston Phillips. Uh, The gunman complained of post-surgery pain and sought additional treatment, and he blamed his surgeon for that pain. Uh, Investigators later found a note on the scene that authorities said made it clear that the gunman intended to kill his doctor and anyone who got in his way. Now, uh, the general consensus from sort of the media, but also certain lawmakers, including New York City Councilwoman uh, Hermeline, I don't know how to say the rest of her name, so I'm just going to call her Hermeline, immediately assumed that the shooting, of course, had to do with as we know, all shootings have to do with, which is white supremacy. She tweeted out, we can't even process one mass shooting before the next occurs. Today's atrocity in Tulsa happened on the 101st anniversary of the Tulsa Black Wall Street massacre. White supremacy is clearly a factor. Uh, Did I mention the suspect is a black male between 35 and 40 years old? Oh, this is a huge problem in the black community, the white supremacy of the black community. Was it Larry um, Elder? <laughs> Maybe it was. I'm Maybe told he was a he's Republican. a white supremacist. There we go. So. That's a fascinating one. That's one to look at. And, and let's just reverse the colors here for a second. If you know, She is, a, a, I believe, a woman of color. Mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, misgender her, mm-hmm. but I believe she's a woman of color. Uh, so if, if a, let's say, a white person were to, um, uh, in their tweet, uh, reactively blame a black person for a mass murder and get it wrong, what do you think would happen? Do you think people would notice? Do you think people would be making a big deal about it the next day? Mm. I think they might. I think they might. You know, it's really bad. Um, In fact, it's almost the textbook definition of racism uh, to just blame a race based on negative characteristics you've assigned to everyone with that skin color. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of what racism is. And so she just demonstrated to you what racism is. Uh, And, you know, look, Wait, hold on. Mm -hmm. You just noted she is a woman of color. Yes. She's not, she can't be racist. That's factually impossible. I'm going to disagree with that analysis. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm going to go by the definitions of the words and not these new mythical standards we've created. Uh, (laughs) It really is important to call that out because that's what that is. You know, 
look, white people have been racist too. There are plenty in Buffalo. We saw a white mm-hmm. racist. It can happen, um, and, and white supremacy is a problem, though, as it compares to other problems we have in our society. It's it's a, it's a lot smaller than the media would have you believe. Uh, but it does exist, and I don't know about you, but I've never seen anybody in the blaze have a problem calling it out. Right. Everybody I know who's on the right says, you know what, white supremacy, you might have the scale of the problem wrong, but it is a problem. And when you see it, I want those ideas to be stamped out and ridiculed because they're terrible, terrible ideas. Judging people by skin color is dumb. Uh, that's what the conservative position is. Uh, that is not the position of the left right now. They believe judging people by skin color is ridiculously important. In fact, it might be the most important way to judge someone. And I'm never going to go down that road. I just, I, I refuse. I refuse to do it. Yeah. It's interesting to know, too, that white supremacy is, is not necessarily a right-wing problem. Uh, we saw that in Buffalo. The guy was mm-hmm. not right-wing. Mm-hmm. The guy was not a conservative. That's been the case many, many times. Uh, in fact, white supremacists dating back in history were Democrats. They were left wing. They supported slavery. They didn't support civil rights. I mean, on and on. I don't know how this got flipped on its head and suddenly Republicans became the the racists to target. But that's really never been the case. I mean, there have been individual racists who happen to be Republicans. But really, when you were to look at it historically, it's almost always Democrats. It's almost always the left. I have to tell you, when I get, you know, I get a lot of racist insults thrown my way. I bet you do. It's Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 times, it's someone on the left. (laughs) Yes. It's not the Republicans. It's always someone on the left. When you look at the policy prescriptions of these groups, I mean, look at the alt-right. Look at these Christian identity uh, groups, quote-unquote Christian identity groups. Um, They are almost, uh, without fail, pro-choice. Because, shockingly, Mm. they want black children to be aborted, which is interesting that you agree Mm. with them on that very specific point, Democrats. Uh, They also are, you know, for things like uh, universal health care. We know the Nazis had all, they were socialists. They had, Mm -hmm. they wanted full control of the government. So we want very little control of the government, which gives us nothing in common with people like that. But in addition to that, at its very heart, racism is collectivism, right? It's taking people Mm -hmm. and judging them not as individuals, but as members of some group. Mm -hmm. And you can make wide judgments on these groups because that's how you see them. You see them as cogs in a wheel. That's collectivism. It's not individualism and it's against everything I stand for and I know what you guys stand for as well. Yeah. Um, uh, just one more quick note on this. It is interesting too because when you think about the uh, what white supremacy means, couldn't you even say just the, just the way that the left acts, well I should say the white left acts uh, like they have to be the ones to tell black people like what to be offended at. And they're the ones Mm -hmm. who are like taking care of the poor black people. Isn't that in itself white supremacy? Like you guys think that you're so superior to black people. They can't think for themselves. They can't do things for themselves. They have to have the white man helping them out in life and they can't do it on their own. To me, that's like more white supremacists than I've ever seen. And we've we've heard that from Joe Biden multiple times. Just lately, he's talked about how black people don't know how to fill out registration cards. They don't understand the voting process. (laughs) They can't get to the DMV. They don't have driver's licenses. We're told they're just stupid. That's what he thinks. He said um, when we were talking about the vaccines and stuff, he's like, well, they don't, you know, minorities 
can't like get on a computer and search up where to get a vaccine. Where does that come from? What? (laughs) That's white supremacy. Oh, yes. Absolutely racism, right? I mean, you're judging an entire group of people on some weird negative characteristic you've manufactured for them. I don't believe those things are true. No. The right does not believe those things are true. It's the left that believes Mm -hmm. those things are true. The left believes. And by the way, blacks don't believe they're true either. (laughs) And they they don't support those policies. Right. Yeah. Um, so I want to. I want to. We were talking about Joe Biden. I want to switch over to uh, the baby formula shortage saga. Uh, yesterday, reporters pressed Joe Biden on the fact that multiple executives uh, knew how intense the impact of this Abbott Labs, uh, which is of course the the manufacturer of the baby formula, they knew how intense the impact of this Abbott uh, shutdown would be. Biden said in response, which you'll see in this clip, Biden said, well, they did, but I didn't. I didn't actually know about it until like April. Watch. Well, I think we're having a problem with the audio. Okay, so I didn't hear any of that, but I learned as much as any other Biden state we actually, I've ever witnessed. Yeah, I'm told in the control room that they're that they can hear it. Oh, okay. So we're not actually sure if the viewers can even hear that clip or not, which means we're really off to a great start today. Um, but uh, so he said that he was not aware of the severity of the problem until early April. Mm. I find that very hard to believe, but uh, don't worry. All that being said, Biden also announced he has a solution to this crisis, which is, uh, he says, is 3.7 bottles of formula, which I don't think is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So we're getting a full 3.7? Yeah. Not four full bottles. Wow. Definitely not that much. But 3.7. Yeah. That's going to go a long way. Do we audio? Do we have that? Is that going to play or not? Okay, let's let's watch. Today, we're announcing the United Airlines has agreed to offer cargo space for Kendall NutriCare for the delivery of 3.7 bottles of the formula. Yeah, 3.7 bottles. I want to thank the United Airlines for partnering with us to get this done. They're doing it. He can't get numbers. He cannot get numbers right. Have you noticed that tendency? I'm so proud right now. He did not say how big the bottles were. So, I mean, if they're, like, plain-sized bottles, that could be... the size of the Empire State Building. Wow, see? Yeah, that's that a lot. Would be, that's a, a lot of bottle. bottles. would be a lot, a lot in that case. Uh, I don't think a baby's going to be able to drink from that. <laughs> no, that's no, a, it's going to be hard. a big uh, bottle nipple, I'm just saying. This is unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, first of all, it's the most ridiculous God. plan ever. Like, we're just advancing, a, a you know, a couple weeks of formula that we were already going to receive anyway. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he calls it Operation Fly Formula. Which is the worst <laughs> name? <laughs> it's legitimately what they're calling it. Yeah, but what? Well, it, uh, what are we doing? We're flying formula. Let's call it Operation Fly Formula then. And <laughs> okay, they don't get creative points. No, they don't, it does they don't not. get creative points. But this is, of course. Look, you have a, a, a possible, we don't even know if it really was a contamination that affected these babies exactly. They and haven't it, found any evidence to prove it. Yeah. So we don't know. It's possible maybe, you know, that look, these things happen, right? They mm-hmm. do happen occasionally at factories. The company tried to react and, and recalled, you know, much, much more than mm-hmm. could possibly have been affected because they wanted to be careful, understandable. They're cleaning up this factory, understandable. Um, but like our system is absolutely built 
uh, in, in, for any other product to be able to deal with a shortage like this. One company losing a, you know, a factory, like that shouldn't be a, a national shortage. But there are so many problems built around the baby formula thing. They won't let us import European formula in many mm -hmm. cases just because of dumb labeling restrictions, mm -hmm. even though theirs in many cases is higher quality than ours. Way higher. Part of the uh, North, uh, the, uh, the, the replacement to NAFTA thing um, that they signed, a big part of that was protectionist for dairy. So the Canadian formula that could be being produced in Canada can't cross the border because there's all sorts of quotas and fees on it, so they can't produce it there. The other thing that's huge on this is the number one uh, buyer of baby formula by far is WIC, the food stamp program. And the way they hand out these contracts is they give out exclusive contracts to a company for an entire state. So if Abbott is the entire state provider for like Nevada, there's no one else supplying Nevada with any formula because they get all this the space they you know on the shelves. I mean, again, there's a little bit that seeps in in special specialty sort of areas. But like you're not gonna you go for that, that big contract because it's almost all the business. And then there's no one to replace the business if that company has a problem. So all of these government restrictions built this to, into, a, into a machine that made this way, way worse than it normally should have been. And instead of loosening all these restrictions quickly, like the government could have done, they instead are doing Operation Fly Formula, <laughs> <laughs> which is just ridiculous. It's just taking the formula that was already mm. coming here yeah. and bringing it here on a plane instead of a boat. Well, and also bragging about it as if like us being basically a third world country when it comes to baby formula and like, right. look, look, we got you baby formula that yeah. you should have had because you live in the United States as if we're supposed to be like, For God, thank you. the mm -hmm. first time in American history, another country sent emergency food to us. <laughs> uh, that's and they're bragging about it. Embarrassing, and they're bragging about it. They love it. Well, it's it's like great. A, this reminds me of when they bragged about the airlift out of <sighs> Afghanistan. Like it was just some yeah. incredible feat. Yeah, like it was feat. the greatest like, thing wow, they've ever done this militarily. Is the biggest air, this is the biggest airlift after. We're like, we're watching like people blow up on television. You can't yeah. brag about this, yeah. but they Jeez, just but don't they care. Did. They did. They did but it anyway. They did. It's not working, though. I mean, I do think the American people are seeing the truth here. The media is yeah. doing their best to hide it. But, like, you know, Joe Biden just had an approval rating at 34%. Uh, 47 of 50 states, he's underwater. Now, that's not just that's not just red states. No. That's, mm -hmm. that's blue states. There's only three. I think, it was, uh, I think it was Hawaii, Massachusetts, and Vermont. We're the only three states in the union that he is above water as president of the United States. So, you know, the American people are able to look through and see through the, what the media is trying to do here and what the ridiculous spin of the Biden administration is and see what the truth is. And uh, the truth is they suck. Yeah. Pat, last word. Well, fortunately, um, my daughter has a, an infant. She's, I think, nine months, maybe 10 months, still on formula. And she can't, you know, it's really hard to find. Yeah. So we switched to whiskey. Oh. Uh, but the good thing really? is, we, yeah, we, we water it down with tequila, and it works okay. really well. Mm -hmm. She goes right to sleep. Really? Bang. Just I like that. Yeah, bet. she's out. She's out I for the night. I bet. I bet. Yeah, it's working really well. Yeah. Don't I'd, try this at home. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I'd love to see how she develops uh, yeah. as she goes yeah, to school. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see. <laughs> well, I know you don't yeah. drink, but your no, grandchildren but, yeah. drink. Yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, man. They are drinkers. It's an emergency. <laughs> it's an emergency. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, you know what? We're living under the Biden administration. It drives us all to drink. Uh, we've got more to come, including the Biden administration's uh, education department canceling student debt. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Raycon. So, uh, look, I use 
Raycon wireless earbuds. I'm a little obsessed with them. I'm not going to lie. I use them for I when I go work out. I use them when I'm listening to a podcast. I use them for everything. That is because Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They've got these optimized gel tips, uh, and they come in different sizes, so you can find the perfect in-ear fit. And they're not going to budge. They're not like... I'll say a competitor, okay, who has those really long stems and they weigh your ear down and they pull out of your ear very Mm -hmm. easily because they got the stems weighing it down, all right? Don't do that. Go with Raycon. They've got three sound profiles to match what you're listening to, plus noise isolation and awareness mode so you can choose to be immersed in sound, like maybe when the kids are around, or be able to hear (laughs) your surroundings whenever you need to. They give you eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life. Uh, You're going to get the same audio quality as the other premium brands, but at half the price. you got to check Check them out. Uh, you can go to buy Raycon. That's buyraycon.com slash Y to get 15% off. That is B-U-Y, buyraycon.com slash Y. The Biden administration's Department of Education canceled $5.8 billion in student debt yesterday for former attendees of Corinthian colleges. This is the largest single student debt cancellation ever made by the Department of Education. Uh, The education secretary said in a statement, as of today, every student deceived defrauded and driven into debt by Corinthian colleges can rest assured that the Biden-Harris administration has their back and will discharge their federal student loans. Uh, This was a college, the Corinthian colleges, it was a for-profit entity that filed for bankruptcy in 2015, uh, and they apparently engaged in widespread and pervasive misrepresentations related to a borrower's employment prospects, including guarantees that they would find a job, according to the Department of Education. Uh, and so this was uh, obviously a move uh, that they were they were co- trying to decide what they were going to do, how they were going to uh, make a play in canceling student debt. They were floating around, you know, the the ten thousand dollars per borrower who earns less than one hundred and fifty thousand. Um, but uh, this was what they decided to do. Look, it's interesting because. You have all of these people, all of these radicals who have latched on to Joe Biden because they were promised all of these things. And he keeps not either not delivering at all or just delivering like just a tiny sliver just to say, like, look, I'm I'm canceling student debt. But it doesn't feel like it's going to appease these people. <laughs> Nothing will appease these people. Right. You're never which is which up. is the problem with yeah. making deals with the devil. No. Yes, it is. And uh, it's, it's a big problem here. I, you know, this. He doesn't have the right, uh, the power to be able to do this in the widespread way that, you know, him and Bernie Sanders dream of at night. Uh, so he is trying to do this little part. I mean, it's hard to t- I mean, there are some people who argue he can he actually does have the power to do this one specific thing because of the way the bankruptcy is proceeding. You know, I don't know enough, honestly, enough about it to talk to you about the details of it. But like it, what I find fascinating about this in particular is we are in the middle of a massive inflation crisis. Uh, the worst one we've seen in 40 years. Uh, inflation's going through the roof. And why is that happening? Because we've spent so much money, <clears throat> right, on, on, and we have not enough in the supply. So too many dollars chasing too few goods. Mm-hmm. So you go through that process and you think about this particular move. Canceling debt, you are canceling debt of college students, former college students, uh, that usually uh, earn a higher income than the average person. You're canceling their debt. You're leaving people who didn't go to college with no benefit at all from this. And we know 
this is an inflationary measure. It's stimulating the economy. At least we know it if you believe none other than Joe Biden, who was pitching this exact policy a few months ago on the basis of it being a stimulus for the economy, right? They were telling us that this was going to help the economy and uh, heat it up. Now it's overheated. Mm. The last thing we want to be doing is just canceling people's debt out of nowhere for what seems like no good reason, but they're doing it anyway. Uh, it's a typical way. I think you're right. He's trying to pander here. Yeah. And when people say mm -hmm. you didn't ca get the debt cancellation done, he go, well, we did cancel $5.8 billion. Right. The largest the biggest, one. History. And he'll have the an argument. Single, yeah. Maybe that buys him a, a couple of, uh, you know, a seat or two in uh, in blue-leaning districts, because right now, that's the field they're playing on. They're trying to defend not purple districts, not going after red districts. They're trying to defend blue districts. Yeah. Um, Stu hit on something, too, that I do find fascinating uh, about the, the fact that this disproportionately uh, benefits wealthy Americans. There was a Brookings mm -hmm. Institution study done that uh, the 40 percent of households earning the most income hold 60 percent of student loan debt. So most people who would gain from debt cancellation already make more than $74,000. Yeah, there's a real fairness issue here. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're paying off debt for certain people um, who are fortunate enough to fit into the Corinthian college mm. debt payment thing. Uh, and then what about those who've already paid their debts? What, what about them? How, why did they have to pay it? Are you going to reimburse them now? I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. What about those of us who, who don't want to have our taxes go up because you're canceling people's debt. I didn't go to college um, because I was fortunate enough to, in high school, find a, a career that started to show me that I don't need to go to college, really, maybe you should to get make a, stipend, a living. Yeah, maybe I should get a stipend. Yeah. Uh, like, um, yeah. you know, you need like repayment for your past uh, hurt and pain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Some might call exactly. that reparations. Reparations, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because like one of the reasons why you don't go to college if you don't go to college is because you look at the entire picture and you say, hey, do I really want to come out of this process $200,000 in debt and starting yeah. that far beyond, yeah. behind the starting line? Right. Yeah. And you make that call and you say, I, maybe I will make a little bit less, especially early on in my career, but that's okay because I, mm. I, I don't want to earn back that $150,000 uh, in, in excess of my living expenses to try to get back to zero, to try to get back to the starting line of life, yeah. right? That's why you don't do it. And now they're saying, well, you get the benefit of college. You get to, uh, you get to go around uh, all of those people who made the opposite decision, and we're just going to cover it, and we're going to make them, who now have jobs and now have careers, we're going to make them pay for it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, in, a, in this particular case, you know, the Corinthian situation might not mm. be uh, as, higher, as high incomes as some other colleges. I mean, that's, that was kind of the complaint right. against uh, the college system. And they always like to vilify for-profit universities, so, I mean, who knows how much of this is true. But still, like, you know, as a, as a, in, a in a grand sense here, this is the, one of the worst policies the left has, has to offer. You're taking people... Uh, you know, who make six figures and giving them a, you know, a giant break on their income mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and their debt payments. If you have no consequences for taking out debt, what sort of message are you right. sending to people? Right. I would love a world. I mean, everyone would love a world where you had a credit card and you got to just, just ring up stuff and never had to pay it. It'd be fantastic. Be nice. It's not real, though. It's not the real world. That's, yeah. that's the place we're supposed to be living. Yeah, and, and it is the people who have the debt that made the decision. Right. Right? You didn't yep. have to go to the college you went to. Yep. You didn't have to go to college at all. Yep. 
You could have gone to a, a less expensive college. You could have gone to a trade school. You mm-hmm. could have done a, a lot of different things. You could have worked through high yep. school and earned your way through college. Mm-hmm. Or taken, taken a semester, waited and worked, earned your way to take another semester. And yes. it may take you longer, but you've got it paid off at the right. end of it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, personal responsibility is not like a it's thing not a anymore. thing anymore. No. 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 Sadly. Um, all right. When we come back, let's get into what happened last night at the Beto Town Hall here in Dallas. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. First, we want to thank our sponsor, First Liberty Institute. So, look, court packing—it's being discussed by all of the Democrat leaders right now. It's a real danger uh, to our country. Court packing is a coup, and of course, the usual suspects, Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, are working overtime on new radical plans to pack the Supreme Court. If we do not stop them from installing four more justices so they can rig the system in their favor, it will be catastrophic, not just for the court, but for our country and our way of life. We cannot let that happen. That is why First Liberty Institute is gathering a coalition of one million patriots to say no to court packing. Say no to all of it. Say no to the liberal agenda. Say no to the Supreme Court coup. Uh, you're you're going to be in uh, with the likes of Franklin Graham, former U.S. Attorney General Ed Meese, Dr. James Dobson, the Family Policy Alliance, the Heritage Foundation, and over 400,000 people just like you. you got to go sign your name now. That's all they're asking you to do. Go to Supreme Coup, that is C-O-U-P, SupremeCoup.com, to sign First Liberty's letter. That is SupremeCoup.com. of the program, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, had a town hall uh, last night in Dallas. This was at a recreational center uh, in the city of Dallas. And it was a town hall on protecting our kids. Mm. Because, look, he didn't want to protect the kids when they're in the womb. And you might argue he probably doesn't really care about the kids when they're out of the womb because he's fine with uh, them being mutilated and trans surgeries and stuff like that. Mm. Um, But Mm. There was a politically advantageous thing for him to jump onto, and so he did, which is protecting our kids and gun violence because he first wanted to take our AR-15s, and then he said, look, I don't want to take anyone's guns. I want to protect the Second Amendment, and now again that it's politically advantageous to him, he does actually want to come for your AR-15s, even if you are a law-abiding citizen and already own the gun, but I digress. There was a, uh, there was a town hall event uh, I walked in. I wanted to ask him a question of how he would, as a constituent mm-hmm. and a reporter, I would say, how do you plan to take the AR-15s away from the citizens who already own them? Mm-hmm. Legitimate question, mm-hmm. right? I would mm-hmm. really love to know what his plan is for doing that. Unfortunately, I didn't get far because the entire campaign uh, was waiting for me. Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, knew what I looked like. I literally walked in the public building, walked in, scanned around for a seat and was told by security that they wanted me to leave. I was not like disruptive. I didn't, I hadn't done anything. I was just trying to quietly sit there as I do every single time I go to one of his events because I'm not a disruptor. Um, And they couldn't handle the idea, I guess, that someone might ask a Mm -hmm. tough but incredibly fair question about the plans that Beto O'Rourke claims that he has for uh, the state of Texas. But uh, I found a couple interesting moments within that uh, particular night last night. So I had a friend on the inside, as I do. And um, he was in there and they were just, they were just letting loose, letting it all come out, letting it all fly. Uh, and I found this particularly interesting. One of uh, the official Beto O'Rourke, Beto for Texas volunteers, who says, uh, you know what, I think whenever there's a mass shooting right now, it helps Beto. They are really saying the quiet parts out loud, listen. 
I think every time there's a mass shooting right mm -hmm. now, it's going to help better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So every time there's a mass shooting, it'll help better? Uh, this was taken Jeez. by uh, uh, my friend. He is a uh, decorated disabled veteran. His name is Colton Crottinger. And you know what? God bless him because mm -hmm. that had to have. I felt like I'm like, you probably need about 20 showers after mm. having to go in there and listen to uh, listen to that nonsense. But that is clearly Beto's position on this. Yes. Though. I mean, he he is 100 uh, percent in the belief that this <coughs> shooting helps him. Yes. And yeah. it's well, that's why he showed him. up at the it's press. It's why conference. he showed up at the press conference, which, by the way, he disrupted and he thought it was perfectly acceptable right. for totally him fine. to disrupt a press conference. <clears throat> I yep. walk in there to listen and try to ask a question and I get escorted out by his security. It's interesting. Well, he didn't plan to interrupt Sarah. He had no plans to <laughs> right. do that whatsoever. Now, he <laughs> told that to the journalists afterward and he went now sure they had a whole arrangement with people holding seats yeah. and then communicating mm -hmm. when Beto was coming down they got up at the exact same moment and switched mm. places and then he stood up in front of the cameras at the exact opportune moment and then walked out to a gaggle worth of uh, reporters outside um uh, the truth, of course, is that Beto is human scum. He mm -hmm. is the lowest form of life our society can produce. And, of course, watching him try to take advantage of the deaths of these children is among the most despicable things I've ever seen from anyone, mm -hmm. he, politician or not. He is completely despicable. If the, if the people of Texas fall for this idiot and the way he is acting right now, uh, we deserve everything that we would get. And, you know, good for you uh, going there and actually trying to ask a question uh, that was apparently too much for them to handle. But, look, I don't think he has any chance of winning this race. No, uh, um, I, I don't. Um, but he, he also knows that. Yeah. And that's why he's acting this way. Yep. And it tells you a lot about what kind of person he is, yep. that when he gets mm -hmm. desperate in his campaign, he will do anything, even try to build that campaign on the backs of dead children. That is the person this, per this guy is. He's that Terrible of a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I will say, Amen. I am the only, I am behind Sarah very closely <laughs> in how much I hate Beto at this point. <laughs> now, Sarah leads the pack. It's clear. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Sarah wins, and I'm not yeah. trying to win just here. I'm just trying to get wins. second place. I, honestly, yeah. I'm fine with a tie. I, <laughs> I welcome anyone. I'm not trying oh. to like just uh, maintain, monopolize that position. I welcome everyone else calling I, him out for what he is. Yeah. Which I'm is in a your complete group. and total scumbag, completely disingenuous, completely hypocritical. Mm -hmm. He doesn't mean a word no. of anything that he says. He's, He's just that. an opportunist. I mean, when you vociferously during a presidential election, mm -hmm. which is a national election, you're not worried about your Texas base necessarily, and you say, hell yes, I'm gonna take your AR-15s, then you're asked about it during a Texas gubernatorial <laughs> campaign, and you're like, oh, I don't wanna take anything from about? anybody. Mm -hmm. I just wanna defend the Second Amendment. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, he's got no spine I, I whatsoever, yeah. this guy. And he's got no chance. Like. I think that's true. Like Stu said, I, I think he loses by 15, 20 points. Yeah. I hope Maybe so. Maybe more. I hope so. I think I, he's, he's going to be embarrassed. I, w I mean, he's having, it's a, it was a small <clears throat> recreational center. It was a little gymnasium. Yeah. Oh, really? That they rented out. And I mean, uh, I guess it, it may have looked like it was pretty packed only because it was very compact and they had multiple rows. They had a big open area, it seemed like, too, where you were walking around behind it where was, the chairs were. They, yes. they didn't put chairs throughout the entire auditorium. No, no. Um, they had bleachers, and the whole other half <laughs> of the of the basketball um, court was, was empty. empty. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think, like, it, looking at Beto and, and realizing what kind of person he is, 
is, I think, really crucial here. Because, you know, watching, go back to, we weren't on last week, but, like, go back to that event where he interrupted uh, the press conference, which is, again, among, one of the most despicable things I've ever seen from a politician in my entire life. But, like, it wasn't just that he walked up there. It was that he had seat holders sitting there. How did that happen? Think about the, the process that gets to this. At some point, this shooting occurs, and Beto meets with his advisors, and he says, how do we take advantage of these children and their deaths? How do we make this better for us? How do we get a, not even a point in the polls, because I don't think that's even a consideration, but just how do we get a bunch of money in from left-wing donors from Illinois and California built on the back of all these dead children? I know we'll send two aides up there to save seats for me, and then I'll walk up at a, at a time uh, so we can switch seats, and then I could stand up and get on television and get some attention. And guess what? I'm sure he did well with donations on that. I do not think the t- people of Texas are going to respect that sort of no behavior. Way. It's, no. it's awful. And no he's way. just a really bad guy. There are just mm-hmm. sometimes, there are sometimes people with bad policies. There's a lot of them on the, on the Democratic side. They're also just trash human beings. Yeah. The guy is human garbage. That is what he is. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, let, let, like, let me just go through the last couple of months of just following mm-hmm. the guy. So, uh, you know, at the first event I went to, I obviously, you guys know this, the viewers I know know this, but um, I was assaulted by one of his staffers who tried to grab my phone while I was, again, not to disrupting my good friend Alex Stein that's his thing it's not my thing like right. I don't do that I was literally silently filming uh, a question being asked which again was a tough question they seem to not want Beto to have to answer because they know he's a horrible candidate they're that insecure they know he can't answer the questions they don't want the viral moment and so instead they assault me they use uh, DPD as their mafia muscle to get rid of me and then um, the next event I go to they're berating me they're calling me crazy they're calling me a stalker again because I, I waited quietly and wanted to ask him a question. Okay, so uh, violence committed against me, uh, trying to box out uh, their political opposition. Okay, so let's fast forward to this event mm. when um, I have audio coming soon of one of the uh, Beto campaign members, Beto staffers, uh, saying that she wants to stab me and shank me, which is just lovely, mm. along wow. with... One of his uh, supporters, volunteers, I'm not really sure where she falls in that category, but she definitely is there for Beto, and she definitely uh, threatened uh, to kill me, which is when I started filming. So previous to me filming, she says, "Um, you don't know who I am, and when you find out who I am, you're going to lose your Mm." And then she says, "Um, when I find your license plates, you're effing gone. You're effing gone. And uh, let me show you the exchange that wow. happened after she says that. Watch. Not nice. It is. What did she that just say? Nice. What did she just say? That was I not nice. I'm gone. I'm gone now. You'll see. I'm gone now. You see, You'll you see. like to talk in here and want to yell and be loud and be aggressive, but when they kick you out, then you feel offended. Don't do that here. Get the out of here with your face. You represent Beto. Don't talk like that. I don't represent Beto. So what's your name, then? You're giving death threats. You're giving death threats. You're giving death threats. You're giving death threats, ma'am. You're against shootings, but you're giving death threats. to get you off the parking lot. Hey, you don't have to leave. This is a public place. What did she say? Let me say What did she say? My name is Jamal Jefferson. Your future representative. We do not condone any negative behavior to any American. 
So uh, shout out hmm. there to uh, hmm. my new friend, Jamar Je Jeffries or Jefferson. I can't remember, but um, he's running for a uh, position in East Texas. And he was just lovely. I have a feeling I wouldn't agree with any of his ideologies. But he was, nice, he was a very mm -hmm. nice person. And his whole point was, we don't need to be so divided. We need to be coming together. But he was at the wrong event, if mm -hmm. that's what he wants, which is my point. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're totally right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this, I, I, this is who this is who better O'Rourke attracts because this is who better O'Rourke is. I, I uh, spent a good uh, amount of time last night watching not only your basically your entire video, <laughs> which is like a half an hour long. Go it see it on very, Instagram. Uh, very, I mean, at times scary. I, I, I said yeah. to Lisa, my wife, I, we were watching it together, and I said, I hope she's not down there by herself. Yeah. I mean, these people. They looked aggressive at times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't even see the, I didn't even hear the death rate. You said you weren't even filming it, but I didn't even see that because I know you had a couple of different videos. Mm -hmm. um, I did see that you were down there with Alex Stein, who, who did something, as you said, a different approach yeah. uh, <laughs> from you, which is pretty funny in and of itself. But that's good. I mean, I, I, look, I. He deserves it. He deserves all of it. All of it. I'm not the one to disrupt, but you know what? He deserves it. He deserved that's it. That's what and he did. Nothing that Alex or you said was untrue. Right. <laughs> it was all true. He really does fantasize, or at least did fantasize about killing children, and is exploiting this, these kids' deaths for his own gain. That is his campaign right now. Yeah. He looked at that event, the event that we all. I mean, I, I, you know, I, you couldn't possibly feel worse about that event. We all felt the same way, and he looked at it as an opportunity because he's dirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, well said. I don't think I can add anything to that. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Our friend Matt Walsh over at The Daily Wire, his new documentary, What is a Woman, premiered last night. And uh, in part of it, he spoke with Dr. Michelle Forcier, who detailed how she uses puberty blockers on young children. Let's watch that. At what age does the medical transition begin with uh, medication? So medical affirmation begins when the patient says they're ready for it. <laughs> so that could be a, a kiddo who is just starting puberty and panicking because they're getting breast buds or their penis is getting bigger and busier and they're worried about all kinds of masculine changes. And that way, puberty blockers, which are completely reversible and don't have permanent effects, are wonderful because we can put that pause on puberty, just like if you were listening to music, you put the pause on and sure. we stop the blockers and puberty would go right mm -hmm. back to where it was. The next note in the song it's interesting because um, the, one of the drugs that's commonly used as a puberty blocker uh, is Lupron, also used to chemically castrate sex offenders. But look, she's a doctor and she said it's all reversible. So <laughs> that's fine. Fascinating. Nothing to see. Well, here. once your penis falls off, you can easily just reattach just reattach it. It's just like the next note is that Velcro? in a song. Uh, staples, usually. Uh, yeah, oh. usually. Usually oh. any any uh, any stapler will will do. Really? It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, swing line is usually the one. Uh, yeah, it hurts for a while, but it goes away. Yeah. It's eventually. like a like a worm like it just regrows. Kind of it's like that. It's just like a worm yeah. that regrows, Sarah. I'm glad. I didn't know you did that much about the male anatomy, but yes, it's just like a worm that regrows. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Um, I, just, I a, have to make fun of it because it's just so it's stupid so, that we're ridiculous. having this conversation. Well, whenever they're ready. Yeah, whenever All they're right, ready. All right, doctor. Four, five, six, yeah. when, are they, when are they ready? Uh, you know, it's fascinating because they, they did this thing with Leah Thomas this week where they talked about 
you know, she was trying to make the case that, like, you know, I was stronger before, and I got on all these, you know, blockers, and now I'm obviously I'm weaker, and I'm a woman. And it's like, well, there's a legacy effect of going through puberty as a male, which is, mm-hmm. as you see here, she happens to be 14 feet taller than everyone she's competing against, <laughs> and, and about, she doesn't shrink and two because she's wider in yeah. the shoulder area, which yeah. is kind of important when you're a swimmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The wingspan is kind of long. Uh, it's like you, your body does. You don't shrink. You don't go from six four back down to five three right. uh, because you start taking puberty blockers. Uh, it's just one of these things where this stuff is so obviously insane. It, it, it's insane for a million different reasons. But like I, you know, I think I, I don't care if if adults want to be insane. They can be insane all they want. Right. I don't. I don't really care. I what I do care about is forcing children into irreversible decisions, despite what this one doctor is saying here. Uh, some of it might be reversible. Like, you might be able to, I'm, I'm sure if you take it, something different happens. <laughs> Just, this is why you take them. But that doesn't mean it's totally reversible. You're missing out on time. When, you're, you're, when you lose a year of puberty, you don't get that year back later on. That's not how this works. And regardless, even if it worked perfectly, it would still be insane. Well, I mean, if, if it was fully reversible and all of that, you wouldn't have all of these people who have detransitioned, who cannot live normal lives anymore because of the effects of the drugs or the surgeries or whatever the case may be. I mean, there are real consequences. And by the way, most people grow out of it anyway. And and after surgery, uh, the suicide rate is 19 times higher. Mm. 19 times higher than with the rest of the population. Are, so are you saying that means that the surgery is not solving the problem? That's kind of what I mean by mm. that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem to be. The, 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 the genesis of this, because we all get this and say, okay, you've altered your body in this way. You're trying to live in some totally different way than the way you were born. All of these things are a problem. But just elevating gender to this importance level is also a problem in your life. Mm-hmm. If you all you think about is what gender you are, you're seeing yourself with almost no value. I mean, I don't know. I, like, you know, I'm a guy. I don't take all that much value of my uh, of my life from that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, a you know, it's certainly part of who I am. Uh, and it certainly has, I have physical characteristics that are associated with it, like everybody else. But it's like, it's not who I am. I don't think of myself, oh, every day I wake up, I'm like, thank God I'm a guy, so I care about, I wear these clothes. And I, like, there are a lot of guys who wear totally different clothes and are still guys, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that is, that, just this focus on skin color and gender and sexuality and all of these things are just, they're side, they're side dishes of life. Yeah. It's not the main meal. It's supposed to be who you are as a, as a person and the thing you do for others, not what your skin color or gender is. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's 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 go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, a Pride Month video just for you. Mm. We'll be right back. Yay. That didn't sound like a serious Pride is one of the seven days. This is Isaac Simmons, a United Methodist Church candidate for ordination and associate pastor at Hope UMC in Bloomington, Illinois. He uh, he moonlights as a drag queen. He's a drag queen pastor cool. and a drag evangelist who says that uh, God is nothing. Watch. God himself is nothing. But if she were, 
She would be, yes, creaming her way down the runways of Paris and Montreal, strutting on that tightrope pulled taut between absurdity and opulence, balancing between too much and never enough. God is nothing, but if she were, she would be a seamstress. I feel like <laughs> probably <laughs> as a pastor, he's in the lo- wrong line of work. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And and he's also just trying to get to people. Right. He just wants people to get all fired up. It's like the Dishwalla song. Tell me all your thoughts on God because I really, wa- really want to see her. Mm. I, I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't care if you think that God is female or male or non-binary knows what he identifies as. i don't care yeah. uh, but that is not religion that is that's garbage i will say i had the under of 0.5 on dishwalla references today and now <laughs> i've lost so thanks a lot <laughs> you're welcome i am very you're welcome. That, that sucks um you know I, I, it seemed like he was reading a script yeah almost yeah. Like, it was like reading a play yeah. Yeah. i don't know yeah. what that was, I think it was I, but bizarre. you tell him he wrote these are people who are just trying you know, yep. going for attention right? just uh, looking for some you know and seemingly someone who's trying to undermine the faith. I don't know mm-hmm. all that much mm-hmm. about that particular church, but uh, you know, like that's not, at some point, it's just a bit. Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know what? I let's, let's move on to something really quickly before we have to go, which is, Stu, you've got a new special coming oh, yeah. out tomorrow. The definitive debunking on gun myths tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern and on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please go and subscribe and check it out. We're going to go through all the claims from the left. It's a, it's a big one. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.